Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. To hear more sermons and to find out more about our church, please visit sugarhillchurch.com. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and pull those out and be finding John chapter 6. And if you've got something to write on, something to write with, I'm going to invite you to jot down some things this morning. But as we said earlier, we're in week five of Closer. And if you're new to this series, if this is your first one to catch, uh, thanks for jumping in. You can log on to our website and catch up if you'd like to. But really, this whole idea of Closer comes down to this idea that the Bible says and teaches that we can come as close to God as we want to be. Uh, we can come to as close to God as we want to be. So in week one, we started out with this broad picture. In the, in the Gospels, in the Scripture, you see people that we would call the crowds, that as Jesus traveled, there would be people that would show up. There were the multitudes, the crowds. They watched from a distance. And so for them, it felt safe. For them, it felt okay that Jesus isn't asking me to do anything. I'm able to just sit back and watch. And so they started on that outside circle that we just call the crowd. And honestly, every single Sunday, we have people in that, in that, in that boat. We have people in that circle where we start out far away. But somewhere along the way, as they listened to Jesus teach, as they followed him, as they began to hear more about his truth, that crowd whittled down to a number that we call the 5,000. You see them in the scriptures. You see them in the Bible. They're the people that showed up. They listened to Jesus teach for several days. After Jesus finishes teaching, Jesus says, we want to feed them. And Jesus performs one of the most popular or most well-known miracles he's ever performed by feeding the 5,000. So at the level of the crowd, Jesus isn't asking them for much. At the level of the 5,000, they come and they're like, what can we get from you, Jesus? What can we receive from you? Then over time, we meet the next circle of relationship, what we call the 70. That They're found in uh, Matthew chapter 10. You can also find them in the Gospel of Luke, where they've been following Jesus. They pull in closer to Jesus, and then at some point, Jesus commissions them, and he sends them out. And so at this point, they're not just watching. At this point, they're not just receiving. At this point, they're actually serving. They're, they're coming alongside Jesus saying, we want to serve with you. And so at every circle, it starts out broad, it begins to narrow in, and the closer the circle gets, it represents the closer the relationship. And the closer the relationship, the smaller the circle, the more intentional the walk with Christ becomes. So they start out with the crowd, they become the 5,000, over time they become the 70, and out of those 70, we meet the 12. And so last week we talked about the 12. The 12 were the ones that went even deeper, the 12 were the ones that said, we want this relationship, they're the ones that went with Jesus through thick and thin, and so today I want to mention that there is a circle even closer, right? So the crowd obviously is broad. The 5,000, hey, I'm still near Jesus. The 70, I'm getting a little bit closer. The 12, yeah, that's pretty close. But there were three out of those 12s that were the closest to Jesus. And so their names are Peter, James, and John. The 12 went with Jesus a lot of places. The 12 were with Jesus in some high moments and some low moments, but it was those three that knew him the closest. And so here's what I want to ask this morning. 
as I was processing all of this, and as I've been sitting under pastor's teaching, just taking notes, and just like Pastor Hector said a moment ago, just challenged by it, just looking at relationship and asking the question, where am I in these circles? Because honestly, you can move throughout the circles at different stages of your life, and just asking this question, how do you move closer? How do you become more intentional? How do you have a faith that isn't just broad, but a faith that actually deepens? And the question that I kept struggling with is if Jesus says you can come as close to me as you want to be, if Jesus says anybody in this room can be as close as you want to be, then how come so many people pull away? Have you ever wondered that question? How come Jesus offers salvation? How come Jesus offers relationship? How come Jesus invites every single one of us, not just to be part of the crowd, not just to be an onlooker, not just to be a receiver of his blessings, to know him and to deepen our walk with him? If Jesus invites every one of us to do that, then why do so many people walk away? And we've seen it, haven't we? We've seen it when people come in and out of the doors of a church or in and out of the doors of our small group and they have that moment where they say yes and they have that moment where it seems like they're on fire and they have that moment where it seems like everything's going great and they're gung-ho on the front end. They're excited on the front end and then somewhere along the way it's like they begin to drift. Somewhere along the way they went from a closer circle and they started moving their way out and my question is why? Why would we do that? Why inside all of us is that, is that innate desire just to drift? And so this morning, as we think about moving in closer, I want to describe what I think are the four big reasons why people pull away. If Jesus is asking us to come closer today, if Jesus is inviting us not just to be an onlooker, not just to be a one-way receiver of blessing, but to actually have a faith that is deepened, why would we pull away? And so this morning, if you want to write them down, I'm going to invite you to so that in our own lives we can look. Because I'm telling you, in our own lives, that the, these things are there. They're underneath the surface. They're brewing. They're, they, they have the ability to short-circuit everything that God is doing. And so if you have your Bibles, look at it. In John chapter 6, this is actually the back end of the story of the 5,000. So if you are here a couple weeks ago, we looked at the first part of John 6. In John 6, this amazing miracle happens where these 5,000 people have nothing to eat. And so Jesus turns to his disciples and he's like, what do you have? And they, their answer is, well, there's a little boy here with some bread and some fish. And Jesus performs this amazing miracle where he feeds the 5,000. They have leftovers. And after that, the people are asking, how did that happen? And so what happens as the disciples are pulling in, they're confused. They're confused by what's going on. They're asking the question, Jesus, what's the deal? And so here's what Jesus does, is he takes that physical miracle to teach them a spiritual lesson. He takes that physical miracle of bread and feeding the, the thousands to say there's something else going on. If you have it, John 6, back, go all the way to the end of the chapter to verse 53. Verse 53. This is for, I'm telling you, the closer you get, the more intentional it becomes. So this message Jesus has given is not for the crowds, it's not really for the 5,000, it's for people ready to take the next step. Here's what Jesus says, verse 53. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you that unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and unless you drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. 
Now you can imagine, in, in our culture, we're sort of stripped away from the background of this passage. In our culture, we're asking the question, what does that even mean? And so what Jesus is doing is here are these people looking for physical bread. Because that's what you do at the level of 5,000. You look for, what can I get from you, Jesus? What do you have for me? Do you have bread? Do you have money? Do you have a better job? Do you have a better... At the level of the 5,000, we're asking, what's in it for me? And so what Jesus does is he takes that teaching moment to say, look, the answer isn't the bread. The answer isn't a better job. The answer isn't a bigger house. The answer isn't another spouse. The answer is not downloading the Nigerian bride app for those of y'all that were trying. That was an awkward laugh. All right, thanks. Um, The answer is you've got to take me into your life. Jesus is saying, you don't need some physical bread. You need a spiritual bread that comes from relationship with me. And so he's ramping it up. I mean, he's calling for a decision. He's saying to these people around him, if you really want to take this seriously, you've got to make me the centerpiece of your life. I can't be external. I can't be somebody you just rely on for some felt need. You have to make me the center of your life. And here's what it says uh, in verse 60. Therefore, many of his disciples, so the, the 70, the hundreds, the thousands that were around that were still trying to figure out how close they wanted to be, it says, therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this said, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? Like, Jesus, we were good with receiving bread. Jesus, we were good with going out and serving a little bit. But now, Jesus, you've made it hard. I mean, you're, you're, you're asking us to cross the line. And really, I, I believe Jesus is asking many of us to do that this morning, to cross that line that as we get in closer in these circles, he's calling for that commitment. And it says down in verse 66, and as a result, listen to this phrase, many of his disciples withdrew, and they were not walking with him anymore. Why does that happen? Why is it that God offers us friendship? God offers us relationship. God offers us this amazing ability to know him, and yet many walk away. Well, reason number one, if you want to write these down, I think these are the, the big reasons that today could cause any of us to step away. Because honestly, some of us are on the fence, and some of us are trying to figure out, how do I take the next step? And these are the things that could keep you. And so reason number one that many turn away is because of their close friends. Because of their close friends. See, we have relationships in our life, and, 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 and not every relationship is equal. Right? We've got some friendships that are closer than others. We've got some that are really just acquaintances. We've got some that are just co-workers. We've got some that are just fellow students. We've, we've got different levels of relationship. And so just like when you talk about your relationship with Jesus and you look at those circles, in our own lives there are circles. Right? You, you, you can make the same equation. You could look at the circle that's closest to you all the way to the circle that's furthest away. And every single one of us have friendships on those different levels. Right? We've got some friendships that are the crowd, that we just sort of know them. We've got some friendships that are the 5,000, where we spend some time with them. We give and we take from one another. We've got some friendships that are the 70, where we do some things together. We serve some things together. We hang out more. We've got some friendships that are the 12, where, where they're the ones that we turn to most, and in all of our lives, we have the relationship of the three. 
And what happens in the story is Jesus ramps it up. When Jesus tells the story, he says, look, if you really want to come closer, if you really want to know me, I can't be an external thing. I can't be a felt need thing. I've got to be the centerpiece of your life. And it says in verse 66, and as a result, many of them turned away. I guarantee you that there were some people in the crowd that day. I guarantee you there are some people that came with friends that day. I guarantee you that, that, that some of them traveled together, some of them sat together, some of them took notes together, some, uh, some of them, that they sat together, they heard the same message. And I guarantee you that some of them were ready to say yes. Some of them were ready to say, I want to grow closer. I want Jesus to be the center of my life. There were some that were ready. But at the moment they started to take that step forward, they had some friends that pulled them back. I guarantee you that happened. I guarantee you that that happened. That, 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 that somebody was ready to say, well, I want to I follow Jesus intentionally. I want to draw closer to Jesus. I'm ready to make him the center of my life. And the moment they started to say yes, their friends are like, yeah, 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 this message is too hard. They're like, yeah, 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 well, I, I don't know what's wrong with Jesus. I mean, Jesus usually is happy. Jesus is usually teaching uh, some little object lesson about seeds and soils, and, and he's usually teaching us something more peppy. I don't know what's up with Jesus. This message is hard. And I guarantee you there are some people in the crowd that day that were trying to discount the message. They're trying to say, well, you know, here's what we're going to do. Uh, Jesus is just having an off day. He, he didn't get enough sleep. It was Labor Day. He sort of checked out. Uh, so here's what we're going to do. We're just going to go home, and we're just going to give Jesus a couple of days, and we'll pick him up at his next stop on his little preaching tour. That's what we'll do. And I guarantee you in that crowd, there are some people that were talked out of following Christ because of their friends. And I believe that happens in so many of our lives. Because anytime we talk about friends, it's easy to get defensive. Right? We're used to talking, I mean, students, we're used to talking to you guys about friends. And we're used to talking about the power of friendship, that whoever, whoever is your friend determines in a lot of ways the direction of your life and really the quality of your life. And that is so true. And that is so powerful. And if you don't get anything else, you need to get that, that your friends this year are so influential in your life. You know that. But I think sometimes we as adults, we forget that's true in our own lives as well. Isn't that true? We forget the power of who we have access in our heart. See, you, you don't get to choose necessarily who you go to the store with. You don't get to choose necessarily who you work with. You don't get to choose necessarily who you see at the gym or some restaurant, but you do get to choose who has access to your heart. You get to choose who gets to speak into your decisions. You get to choose who gets to help shape the direction of your life. And I'm telling you, one of the reasons why we don't come closer is because we get talked out of it by our friends. And this, this is so hard. I mean, if this is your first time here, this, the, this is a difficult lesson because so often we, we get defensive. You can feel it around you. I, I, I would be the same way. I, and I have been in the past where I'm like, but they're my friends. They're my friends. They're, they've been with me a lot of years. I've been working with them a lot of years. They, they, they know the good, the bad, the ugly. And, and, and it's easy to get defensive. But here's what I want to say to us. When we say they're my friend, here's the question I want to ask are they really your friend if they're pulling you away from Jesus? 
That's hard, isn't it? Are they really your friend if they're pulling you away? They're my friend. A true friend is somebody that makes us want to be more like Christ just by being around them. That's a true friend. And so what happens whether you're a teenager or an adult, in every level of our life, we've got that circle around us that we care to listen to. We allow them to speak into our lives. We allow them to shape the decisions we make, and we call them our friends. So reason number one that some of us pull away is because we have the wrong people in that circle. Now, don't hear me saying that you've got to just go off on them. I'm not saying you get on Facebook and you remove them. I'm not saying you get angry at them. But what I am saying is we need to realize there are circles of intimacy. And so we've got to guard that closest circles. This makes sense to you guys. We've got to guard our hearts. So reason number one is close friends. Close friends. Not only that, number two, one of the big barriers to pulling closer is not just our close friends, But number two is the choices we make with our hearts. The choices we make with our hearts. Every single day we're making choices. I've heard it said that life is essentially a sum total of the choices we make. And every single day we're making commitments. Every single day we're making choices, whether it's at work or at home, whether it's what we buy, wherever we go, every single day we're committing to something or someone. And so as Jesus is teaching this, and he says, look, you've got to take me in, it says, and many turned away. And so Jesus says in verse 61, does this cause you to stumble? This is like, really, is this a deal breaker for you? Really, are you stepping away? Are you, are you backing away? Or are you moving from this close circle to saying, you know what, I'm going to go back to the crowd? And listen to what Jesus says in verse 63. This is so powerful. He says, it is... The Spirit who gives life. It's the Spirit of God. It's not your job. It's not some relationship. It's not money. It's not security. It's not finding self-worth. He says it is the Spirit that gives life. I mean, he's talking about the spiritual change on the inside because he's looking at this crowd that's backing away. He's looking at this crowd that's pulling away from him. And here's what he says to them. And he says to us, look, only the Spirit can give you true life. Your friends, your finances, your stuff, your house, your self-worth, your, your self-importance, none of that stuff is going to do it. Here's how Jesus says it in verse 63. The Spirit, it's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits how much? Nothing. He says the flesh profits nothing. And so he's saying, look, you can try to find significance your own self. Look, you can try to find self-worth your, your own way. Look, you can try to leave your mark in this world out of your own power. But he says time and time and time again, this stuff, this flesh, this earthly thing, it profits absolutely nothing. And then he goes on to say in verse 64, but some of you, you do not believe. And that's true in our generation. What happens so often is we've got this innate desire to matter. We've got this innate desire to make a difference. We've got this innate desire to know people and to be known by people. We've got these things inside of us called appetites. 
right? We, we, we've got appetites where some of it's physical, where we need sleep, we need shelter, we need food. A lot of it is emotional. We need self-worth. We need to know that we matter. And what happens in all of those appetites is we always want more. We're never satisfied. And, and so we see this played out in so many ways where some people, they're trying to, to answer life by having hundreds of people that they call their friends. Or we see people trying to satisfy this innate need inside of them by trying to work their way up the corporate ladder. We find people trying to find their self-worth by outdoing the people around them, having the bigger house, the best car, all of this kind of stuff. And here's what Jesus says, no matter what temptations those are in our own lives, is he says, that stuff profits nothing. He's saying, look, you, you may get some excitement out of a new house for a little while. You may get some excitement out of a, a promotion at work. Maybe you think, well, this thing at work is worth sacrificing my family for a season. But here's what Jesus would say to every single one of us. That thing that seems exciting on the surface absolutely profits nothing in the end. Because it's not our job, it's not money, it's not self-worth, it's not the, how many people know me, it's not, it's not those things that give life, it is the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. That relationship with God. And this lesson is like on the front of my mind this morning. Um, I have an aunt that, that actually passed away yesterday. And she lived in Montgomery, Alabama, and honestly, we've, and I've referred to her before years ago here, but we've had this up and down kind of relationship because of uh, just some family dynamics some decisions that were made long before me. And so I just sort of inherited some of the angst and some of the drama. And so we've had this up and down, up and down kind of relationship. Uh, I went to see her a couple weeks ago in the hospital, went back this week. Laura and I hung out with my brother in the hospital for several, several days. And yesterday she passed. So we went to her house, and we're just, you know, you, you, all that kind of stuff you have to deal with. And so we went to her house, and it was really heartbreaking because we saw stuff. We saw boxes of things ordered. We saw gadgets and things that, that she didn't need or never, ever, ever used. And Laura said something that just that spoke to me. is It's the story of a sad life a lonely life trying to find significance through stuff. The flesh profits nothing. So why is it that we pull away? Number one, because of friends. Number two, because of choices we make with our hearts, commitments we make with our heart, whether it's stuff or people or something else, we make choices every single day. Number three, one of the big ones that causes people to pull away is what I call counterfeit faith. Counterfeit faith. I guarantee you there were many in that crowd that day that said, well, of course I know Jesus. <laughs> I, was, I was there when he broke the bread. Well, of course, I, I, of course I'm a disciple of Jesus. I went out and I helped serve with some people around me. Of course I know him. And yet here's what it says in verse 65. Jesus is teaching this hard teaching. He says, for this reason I've said to you that no one can come to, to me and let it, unless it's been granted him from the Father. In other words, Jesus is saying, you can't decide how you get into this relationship. You can't just cruise in and say, well, I'm good with God. I've done all this stuff. He's saying, look, the way to relationship is through the heavenly father 
And how does the Heavenly Father say that we enter into relationship? It's by putting our faith and our trust in Jesus. It's not Jesus plus something else. It's not Jesus plus how good I am. It's not Jesus plus how much I give. It's not Jesus plus uh, if I'm nice to people around me. Really, the answer is, it's just Jesus. That's the central message of Closer. This is about a relationship with Jesus. It's not facts about Jesus. It's not church attendance. It's not moral behavior. All those things are great. But at the end of the day, true faith is a faith that is built on God's only Son that died for us, that rose again. It really is about Jesus. And there's some people in that crowd that day that pulled back. Well, I'm going to try to figure this out myself. You can't do that. Well, I'm going to try to clean up my act. That's not what Jesus is asking. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to try to know more, and I'm going, to, I'm going to try to fix some things. And here's what Jesus says. It's not about you fixing it. It's not about you knowing more. It's not about you doing X number of things. It's about realizing that every single one of us has to come just as we are. And there's some people that pull away because they have a fake faith. Their faith is built on something other than Jesus or it's built on, uh, on something in addition to Jesus and true faith is Jesus alone. See, this is a hard message because Jesus is inviting every single one of us to take the next step. Jesus is inviting every single one of us to come closer. Some pull back because of friends. Some pull back because of choices they make. Some pull back because of counterfeit faith. But here's the last one, and this is a big one this morning. It's because of our current problems. It's because of our current problems. We've got junk in our life that we don't know how to deal with. I mean, the struggles in this room are huge. They're huge. I know for me, uh, the last couple weeks have been ups and downs, ups and downs with my aunt. And so I know if I'm experiencing that in my own life, that's just a small fraction of what's going on in this room. I mean, the struggles are huge. The struggles are huge all around us. And here's what happens. All of these people, they pull away. All these people, they back away. So many people back away that Jesus turns to the twelve. And he says to them in verse 67, you do not want to go away also, do you? I mean, that's how real the struggle is. It's so, so stressful that Jesus looks at the 12 and says, are you guys going to leave as well? And I love what Peter's response is. Peter says in verse 68, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and we've come to know that you are the Holy One of God. You know what Peter's saying? I've got no place else to go. And so often in our lives, we have some problem, we have some pain. We get so, I'm telling you, we get so easily offended in and outside the church that we use that as a reason why well, I'm going to step away because somebody didn't do something. We use deaths of a loved one. Sometimes it's the death of a dream. Sometimes it's the death of a job. We use that. We hold it so tightly. We're like, God, if you're so good and if you love me so much, then why, why, why did you allow this to happen? You just go across the room, and there's no way I could play out every scenario. Health deals, financial deals, broken relationship things. You just The struggle is huge. And so what happens is we close our fists and we're like, God, if you're so good, then why is this happening? 
And we keep asking why. We keep asking why. And we keep trying to self-medicate the answer. We keep trying to self-answer the deal. And and it seems like the more we ask why, the quieter our relationship with God is. Because of our problems, our pain. But what ends up happening is we end up accusing the one person that can help us. See, Jesus is not our enemy today. He is our friend. He is our friend. The gospel never promised that we'd never have pain. The, promise, the gospel never promised that we'd never have heartache. The gospel never promised that life would be easy and everything would be great. But what it did promise is that we don't have to face it alone. Jesus said, in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart I have overcome the world. And so the answer today isn't trying to clean it up. The answer today isn't to try to do it ourselves. The answer truly is to draw closer to Jesus. Some people ask me, well, how, 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 do, you, how do you do that? I mean, what does that really mean if it's not attendance, if it's not serving, if, it, if it's not those things? All, all those things are great, and they can be components once you follow Jesus. But where it really starts is a relationship with Jesus. What that means is the Bible says that every single one of us are sinners. That's true of every single one of us. And the Bible says that what we deserve for our sin is death, which means eternal separation from God. We all deserve it. The Bible says even though we're sinners, in Romans 5, verse 8, it says, even while you're still sinners, Christ, Christ died on the cross for our sin. Yes, Romans 3.23 says the wages of sin is death, that eternal separation, but it goes on to say, but the free gift of God is everlasting life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not in your job, not in your bitterness, not in self-help, in Jesus. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, which means he's the boss, he's the leader, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the promise of Scripture is you will be saved. Not you might be, not you hope. Maybe it's going to pan out in the end. You will be saved. A great encouragement to me this week was that a local minister in Montgomery went by to visit my aunt several times. And she'd been a fighter her whole life. He presented the gospel, and his word to me on Friday morning was, she said yes to Jesus. She said yes to Jesus. So I want to invite you to do that today. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? There's nothing spiritual about that, but I find it helps you to focus. It helps you to helps you just to, to, to do business in your heart. Is there anybody this morning that would say, Bobby, would you pray for me? Because I'm not sure I have that kind of relationship. I'm not sure I've ever really crossed the line and said yes to Jesus. You'd say, just pray for me. If that's you you just allow me to pray for you right now would you just slip your hands straight up in the air nobody else is looking around you just say pray for me awesome anybody else you'd say pray for me i i i, I want that yes anybody else you just say pray for me I, I i'm not sure where i am in that relationship yes yeah. well if that's you you can pray this part of the prayer with me you don't have to say it out loud you can say it in your head you can say it in your heart not the words that save you, it's really what you believe in your heart today that, that, that makes the difference. Would you just say something like this, dear Jesus, 
I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that my sin separates me from you. But I believe that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I know I didn't deserve it and I can't earn it that it was a gift, a free gift. And I believe that he's alive today. And as best as I know how, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and save me, rescue me. I remind you, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus, Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if you did that for the very first time, would you just continue the prayer and just say,